man who has a passion for God and can preach. We were blessed in Cutler as Jeremiah Duran ministered the Word of God to us. And I know that God has a word for us. Uh, before service, I talked to his dad, and I told his dad, um, thank you for having been with us, but I think from now on, it's going to be your son that's going to be coming to minister to us. <laughs> but seriously, I'm honored to have Jeremiah, and I know that the word he has for us is going to bring freedom to us and give us insight that we need in this season as well as any other season that we go through in our journey with the Lord. So Jeremiah, I want you to come forward and I want you to deliver the word in freedom. This is God's house and today we honor you as a man of God ready to deliver it. Do it. Come on. Let's welcome Jeremiah. Amen. And doesn't it just feel good to be in the house of God? Amen. Um, I stated in color this morning is that I'm always grateful for the house of God because we could worship anywhere. We could worship in our house. But there's something when you worship with other people. You know? Because when you worship with other people, even though you may not feel like it, but sometimes other people's worship could be contagious. And when it rubs off of you, you will start getting a breakthrough, and God will begin to show up. I have come to the house of God so many times in my life. There's times I came broken. Sometimes I came mad. Sometimes I came hurt. Sometimes I came falling asleep. But at the end of the service, I always felt the presence of God. And this morning... I really felt the power of God. And I'm just telling you, get ready, get ready, get ready, because God is going to do something powerful. One of my favorite psalms in, in the Word of God is when David says, Greatly is the Lord, great is the Lord, and greatly is He to be praised. And I have did a study on it. What David was saying is that the way you see your God comes through your praise. So if you see God as a good God, you're going to give him a good praise. If you see your God as an okay God, you're going to give him an okay praise. But if you see your God is great, you are going to give him a great praise. Amen. I am honored to be here this morning. Pastor, love you. Thank you. You know, I'm blessed to have two pastors. You know, I have my dad, and I got Pastor Angel. He's like my spiritual father, and I'm grateful for all the years um, you've been there for me. And I thank you, Pastor. Pastor D, thank you. Love you guys very much. Uh, my dad says his hi. My dad says, son, you better behave over there. Don't get too radical. Um, but my dad sends his love. He, he loves you guys. He's praying for you guys, and... I'm excited for the word today. If you guys can open up your Bibles, if you have Bibles, you have your devices, if you can open up to the book of Job. In Job chapter 42, and I'm going to just read one, two verses. Job 42, verse 5 and 6. If you have it, say amen. And the word of the Lord says this, By years had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. 
Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust of ashes. What this story is saying, that Job just had an encounter with God. So this is the last chapter of his life. So Job finally gets the revelation of who God is. So before Job went into the store, he heard of God. He heard of his ways. He heard of the great things he has done. But he didn't see him. But after the storm, after the things he'd been through, he got a revelation. He said, not only did I hear you, but my eyes have seen you. Mm. Come on. There is something when you go through trials, when you go through pain, when you go through some stuff, God just don't want you to hear about him. He don't want you to hear that what he's done for other people. No, he wants you to see what he could do for you. Come on. And this morning, I want to speak on a message called, I could see clearly now. I could see clearly now. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, says, The things that were, the things that are now, has already been. And the things of the future has already been. Meaning that God knows the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Because God knows what's going to happen. He just wants us to see what he sees. He wants us to trust him that with all the plans he has for his life, he wants to know that even may look dark right now, it may that things may not be going your way, but at the end, God's going to turn everything around. As we attempt to negative, negative through this narrative of Job's story, I first want to highlight some principles that are very important throughout the story. And there's two things I want to share. Number one, God is a God of intentionality. By that I mean that his actions are never an end to themselves. They're always a mean to an end. So whenever he does something, he is not just doing something. He is doing something because he's doing something. Okay? God is not just out there scratching his head. Oh my God, this coronavirus has happened. All this stuff's going. Oh my God, no, no, God. God is doing something because he already knows what's going to happen. That is very encouraging this morning. Because I serve a God of intentionality. He's a God that knows the steps that he has made for us. I don't know if you ever visit another city or another state or another country. And if you want to go see sightseeing, you will uh, hire uh, a tour guide. Because the tour guide already knows everything that goes on in the city. So the tour guide's not going to get you lost. He knows what route it takes. He knows where he's going to take you. And he will tell you what these places are because he's been there. See, that's the Holy Spirit of God. He's our tour guide. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. And he just wants you to see what he sees because he is the God of intentionality. When he feels like he's doing nothing... He's doing something because he's intentional. That's why I praise him when he's doing something. But I give God more of praise when he is not doing nothing because he's doing something. In my eyes, it may look he's not doing nothing, 
But in his eyes, he's doing something. That's why Psalmist David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praises shall be continued in the mouth. Because David knew that he could see what God was doing. And when he had a comfort of that, it didn't matter what all how broke loose. It didn't matter what he went through. He put his trust in the Lord. And he said, I'm going to come into the house of God with thanksgiving and praise. Because I know at the end of the day... He is going to turn it around. Come on. I serve a God that turns things around. Even though this principle can be exciting, it also can be unsettling when we go through trials and dry season. This morning I talked about uh, the Lord of the breakthrough. And I mentioned this point that God is the author of season. But the enemy is the orchestrator of cycles. You gotta know the difference. Seasons is where you go through stuff. Yes, you're going to cry. But the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Seasons is you gotta go through stuff, but you're gonna come out. And you're gonna come out prosperous. Cycles are you keep on repeating. Like the children of Israel, in the book of Judges, they conquered, and then they forgot about God, then they started sinning. Then a judge set them free, they praised God, they forgot about God, and they kept on. It was a cycle. See, God don't want you to go around in circles. He wants you to go forward. He wants you to put up and say to yourself, I'm going to make it. I am going to advance because my God is with me, and I know he's going to bring me out. Number two, he is the God of perspective. He is the God of perspective. Check this out, family. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. So it's difficult, even borderline impossible, for me to understand what you are doing if I'm not seeing what you are seeing. But I can't see what you are seeing if I'm not sitting where you're sitting, because where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. Meaning is, as a child of God, you got to sit where God is sitting, because God sees your life. He sees you prosperous. He sees you overcoming. He sees you blessed. And maybe you need to learn how to change seats. Some of you have been sitting down low, feeling sorry for yourself. Woe is me. Why I never get the good breaks? Why don't things happen to me? Why do my family members are getting blessed and I'm stuck? Maybe it is. You need to change your perspective and you need to see what God sees. And God sees you as more than a conqueror. God sees you as a royal priesthood. The Bible says is that when we got saved, now we sit in heavenly places, meaning our sea is changed. I'm not broke. I'm not hurt no more. I'm not going to live a mess of life because I know him that lives inside of me and he's given me all authority and power. I am going to conquer the land. I am going to get my inheritance because who God is for me, who could be against me? He's the God of perspective. See, I just preached this message because this is in Job chapter 42. Okay? So Job gets the double blessing. Okay? Now, 
I'm going to articulate these principles as we go to Job chapter 1. And now we're going to fill in these principles through this chapter 1. Because I want you to see, because there's three perspectives in this chapter. In Job chapter 1 verse 6, it says, Now the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also arrived among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? See, Satan has to give account to God. Satan's not all powerful. He don't have all authority. He's just a, he's just a pawn in God's hands. So when the enemy thinks to shows up like he's all powerful, he wants you to be afraid. Nah, he's just this little joker that God uses for our glory because God always turns things around. So Satan comes. And says, I have been going throughout the earth, walking back and forth. So the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Wait, wait. Man, God's a braggart. God brags on his children. That's how much God loves you. He goes, hey, Satan, look, I got something for you. You know, you're, 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 you're a prince of the air right now, but I, I got somebody for you. Because God knows the end from the beginning. He says, have you considered Job? Well, this is very interesting because we have been taught now in the church that there's another gospel that's been taught. I know it's not really the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there's a gospel that says, uh, when you go to Christ, nothing bad happens to you. You, you live a free life. Everything's good. You live viva loca. You don't have no worries. But this Scripture says otherwise. You think that because Job was the greatest of the East, that he'll be uh, exempt from trouble. But maybe him being the greatest of the East, God is qualifying him for the trouble. Mm. Because in God's eyes, he already see Job passing the test. <laughs> So he wants to show the devil, I got a man, you could take everything from him, you could take his house, you could take his children, but you cannot stop his praise because God already knew that Job will not bow down and Job will not surrender. Maybe, church, the trials are going through is God already sees you coming out. Mm, that is good. Maybe in the financial storm, Maybe you lost your job, and maybe this is to be the greatest blessing in disguise, because maybe God wants you to open up your own business. Maybe God's telling you to go back to school and get what I called you to be, because God already sees the end from the beginning. He just wants our participation to join him and say, I was, like David said, I was good when I was afflicted, because I see the purposes of God that's why some of our greatest blessings come through our greatest struggles. So God's perspective, he ready see Job as a champion. Now, this is Satan's perspective. This Satan answered the Lord, Is it for nothing that Job fears God? Have you, made, have you not made a hedge around him and his household? And all he has on every side of him, you have blessed him. 
But if you take everything away, see, see, Satan's not questioning Job's commitment. He's just saying, does he just serve you because you have blessed him? Does he just serve you because it's convenience for him? But if you take everything away, <laughs> now let's see if this, this guy could really serve you. You know, this coronavirus, people are, are, are scared. Everybody's like, you know, panicking. But in my eyes, I see it as the greatest opportunity. Because we know at the end, God is going to turn it around. Like I said the last service, our God is a restorer. And our God will turn what the enemy has meant for evil, he will turn it around for his good, and he will get the glory out of it. So everything that you go through is with the purpose because God gets the glory. So Satan says, doesn't he praise you because you bless him? Then something interesting, Pastor Angel, he says, and what Satan said in verse 10, have you not made a hedge around him? Hmm. How did Satan know about the hedge? Because God never said, I put a hedge around him. How did Satan know? Maybe Satan tried to destroy him before, but he couldn't get him because he had a hedge. Hmm. Hmm. I am grateful for the hedge of protection. <laughs> See, you could praise God for the car, but I praise God for the hedge. You could praise God for the house, but I'm praising God for the hedge. Because there were seasons in my life that I thought I was going under, and I thought I made my greatest mistakes, and I thought that God couldn't use me. But truly a fact that God put a hedge around me, and God wants to put a hedge around you and your children's children, that you guys can have an inheritance, because we got to thank God. It's good to thank God for the blessings and what he's done for us, but it's an awesome thing to thank God for the hedge. Because it's the hedge of God that keeps us safe. Don't be like the prodigal son that left the house. Uh, when he left the house, he left the blessing. The enemy can't touch you. You got to understand this. The enemy can't curse you. Because God has power and authority. In, in the Old Testament, uh, the story of Balak and Balaam. Balak wanted Balaam to put a curse on Israel. And so... Balak was paying Balaam good money. That's in Numbers 22. It's a good story. And, and Balaam said, I'll give you millions of dollars if you could just have the children in Israel be cursed because they're becoming a thorn in, in, my, in my country now. They're taking over. And Balaam says, okay, I'm going to go talk to God. And Balaam says, you better not do it because no sorcery, no anything can curse my children. So Balaam goes back to the sea. I can't curse them. I cannot touch them because they're blessed. We got to thank God for the blessings of God. I'm not talking about material stuff, but thank God we are blessed in our right mind, that we are blessed spiritually, and we are blessed emotionally, and we are blessed in every aspect in our life. That's why I'm challenging you. Stay in the house. Uh, stay in the house. Like the prodigal son, he should have stood in the house. 
Because it's in the house where you get your provision. It's in the house that you get your breakthrough. It's in the house that you get your miracle. It's in your house that God begins to show who you are and shows you how great your destiny is. That's why it's important. I'm not going to leave the house. It may hurt. I may cry. I may, I may wrestle with God, but I'm going to stay in the house and I'm going to be like Jacob. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And it's in the house that you know who you are. And once you know who you are, no devil in hell can stop you. He puts a hedge around us. He puts the hedge. That's why I'm grateful for the grace of God. Because the grace of God keeps us. I challenged my young people the other day, last month, when I preached to the church. And I talked about Samson. How Samson was, had a great calling on his life. Samson, his, his story is incredible. See, Hollywood lied to us, okay? See, when we see Samson in movies, everybody thinks he's big as the rock, right? Or that guy that came from Aquaman, okay? Like he's all buffed out and everything's strong. But that's not the case. Samson looked like Pee Wee Herman. You know, all these the old school people know what Pee Wee Herman, that show Pee Wee Herman? Samson looked like him. And because the Bible says they were confused where his strength was. His strength was not in his triceps, his bicep, his six pack. No. The Bible says his strength was in his hair. In the New Testament, the hair represents the glory. So as long as Samson didn't cut his hair, he had the glory on him. But Samson was in the house. He was in the place of the blessing. But he left. See, I, I, I admonish my young people. See, Samson, Samson, he loved Philistine women, man. See, today you've probably been in love with the Kardashians or all these, or all these uh, desperate housewives or real housewives, Atlanta, all this, because... He didn't like the women from the church. He probably said, man, they sing too much. They free man. I don't like that, that foolishness. He goes, I, I like the hips, the lips, and the fingertips. <laughs> That's what Samson's like. So Samson, always, always, is just like, if you read the story in Judges 13 to 16, you'll be like, what's this guy doing? That's why you got to read the Bible like this, because I kind of get, I, I can see What's going on? I was like, this guy, he marries a Philistine woman. She clowns him. She ends up leaving him for another guy. He gets all mad. He takes off. And there was three things that God told his mother, three things. He could not touch wine. He could not touch dead things. And he could not cut his hair. So, okay, so he got, he got, a jail, if you got a, a jawbone of a donkey, I don't want to say the King James Version, because it has, says the other word. That's the, that's the original version. But he got a jawbone of a donkey. That's a dead thing. Got it, and destroyed a thousand men. Wow, that's just crazy. It's a little, 
just a little bone, took out dudes like crazy, thousands. So he thinks, wow, I could get away with it. I, I, I could, uh, you know, God didn't, you know, didn't punish me. But the problem is, church, that Samson started playing. He started going by the fence. And then they bring Delilah. Then three times he told them some stories. Samson knew what's going on. You know what I mean? He ain't that dumb. But he kept on getting closer. See, I always thought that Samson wanted Delilah because he was very attracted and he just wanted, you know, have sex with her. That's what I thought. Then when I was reading it, it was more than sex. Because he wanted intimacy. But the problem was he went to the wrong lap for intimacy. See, David, when he was in trouble, he had intimacy with God through worship. He knew where his source to go to. Samson was on the lap of a woman. And the Bible says, make this story, long story short, he says something that he finally gave in and said, if you could cut my hair, you could cut my hair. Because no razor cannot touch my hair. And the Bible says that when the Philistines came upon, no, excuse me, Delilah says she felt something leave him. And I was reading that passage the other day. She felt something leaving him. That this time, he's not playing around. And it's so sad that she felt it leaving him, but he didn't because he was asleep. And the Bible says that the Philistines came and they cut his hair. And when he got up, thinking he was going to get the victory again, the glory left him. And the Bible says not only they cut his hair, but they burn his eyes because they burned his vision. And here's this man that lost. Here's the man that blown everything. Here's the man that was raised in church. Here's the man that lost everything. And now he became a laughingstock because the Bible says that they put him into their temple to worship their gods. And they were going to make a mockery out of, out of Samson. And Samson thought his days were over. He thought he'd blown it. But there's something powerful in Judges 16, when you have a chance to read it, it said that his hair began to grow back. And that's something, was something encouraging me, Pastor Angel, that the glory began to grow. Mm. See, the enemy should have killed him, but because the enemy didn't kill him, the enemy is dumb because his hair began to grow back. His glory began to grow back. And the Bible says that he killed more Philistines in his second glory than he did the first time. I come to challenge you, CWC Dinuba. It don't matter what you did. It don't matter if you've blown it. You may feel like your best days are gone. You may feel like you don't have what it takes. But I come with the word of the Lord to tell you, God wants to restore you. God wants to lift you up. God wants to take you to another level. God wants to take this church to another level. God wants to see you prosperous. Because God wants the best for His children. And when the glory of the Lord fills the place... Things began to shift. Miracles began to happen. 
your loved ones will get saved. When you put your trust in God, don't put your trust in the economy. Don't put your trust on what's going on to, with, with the social media. And I know that's good stuff out there. But don't put all your, all your, uh, all your trust in that. No, put your trust in the Lord. Because when you put your trust in the Lord, you will know who He is. And you'll begin to see what He sees. And when you see what He sees, you're going to see what He does. Hallelujah. I'm encouraged real quick, and I'm in right now, but there is a story in Second Kings that the, one of God's enemies was surrounding the children of God. And Elisha's servant goes to Elisha and says, Master, they're surrounding us. They're surrounding us. And I could just see Elisha just chilling in his recliner, chilling. The man... I ain't worrying about it. I can see him up. Have you been around people who are panicking? Oh my God, oh my God, we got to do something. We got to do something. They're going to kill us. We're going to... And I could just see him just chill and be like, dude. And, and I could see, okay, master, why are you just sitting down just chilling? Like, what's up? He goes, I'm not worried. Because you can't see it, but I can see it. <clears throat> I can see a host of angels and God's army are behind them. And the Bible says, Elisha, Pray for his servant to see what he sees. That is so powerful because maybe you see your life going nowhere. God sees you victorious. God sees you as an overcomer. God sees you as a champion. God sees you as a head and not the tail. And this is the time. As I close this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. No matter what life's thrown at you, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't lose your perspective, what God has done for you. Because the enemy wants to take you out of your position. The enemy wants to take you out of your position with God. We're not perfect. Let me say, we're not perfect. Somebody acts perfect like, man, read your Bible because God used people that were messed up. God used a liar. God used a trickster. God even used a prostitute and turned her to a mighty woman of God because God could use anything. God could use. I, I, I said this in color this morning. When the children of Israel got ready to pray to God, when they would speak the blessing to God, they referred to them as the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. And, and, and when my prayer time church the other day, I was like, God, that, that's just, that's, that's kind of weird in this text because you gave him a name change. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, meaning from being a trickster to a prince. And I go, God, so why, you know, now that he got his name changed, why don't you want your people to, to pray to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel? It would make sense, right? Because he had a name change. Then God says, you're not seeing it. I was like, okay, God, let me see it. He goes, why did I say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's because I am the God of the very best of them, and I'm also the God of the very worst of them. So one side of the spectrum, people could come into God's house, having it all together, and there's some people that are broken, that are hurt, that are messed up, and they feel like life is going on, and they could relate to the name Jacob, because the tricks are turned into a prince. God wants to change your name today. God wants to change your identity today. 
I don't care what people have called you. I don't care what people said about you. People say you're no good. There's people that walked out of you. Maybe you lost money through this economy. Maybe you, your investments went under and you don't know where to go. But I come to encourage you this morning. God has it all under control. And we live a fixed fight. Because mm. I already know in the end we're going to prosper. If you guys could stand up this morning. You guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. I really feel the presence of God in this place. A couple years ago, church, I was in Colorado, and it was one of my seasons that was one of my most challenging seasons. And I'll never forget, I was at this little uh, town, and and I went for a walk in this trail into the mountain, and I started to pray, and I started to cry, say, God, where are you at? Where are you at? And what I was saying, I felt God's glory says, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I haven't given up on you. People may give up on you. People may have named you back then. But I see you as a man of God. I see you as a child of God. I see you a man with potential. Go in your strength because I am with you. And I'm challenging you, CWC Dinuba. God loves you. As a matter of fact, God is pleased with you. And God wants to deliver you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. Maybe there's some this morning that you have some prodigal sons and daughters. And maybe you've been praying, you feel there's no breakthrough, you feel like that, and my words would be made. No. Your prayers are being heard. Because when God turns it around, you are going to shout. Because God's ways are not our ways. But He lets us see and glimpse what He does because we are His children. Your best days are ahead of the church. I feel the power of God in this place. God wants to restore you this morning. For some of you, maybe, maybe your relationship, maybe with your spouses, you feel like it's you're going through a rough patch. But I can't tell you decree that God is going to turn it around. Maybe some of you have been, been, been wrestling with hurt, been wrestling with unforgiveness. God says, Put it on my shoulders and I'll take care of you. Some of you are feeling with insecurity. You don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel good. But God, it says, you are my child. You are my daughter. You are my son. I called you. I knew you before you were born. I have a great plan for you. It's a new season, church. It's a new day. As the worship team begins to sing, just cry out to God. If you want to come to this altar, you just want to worship God right there, just worship Him. Don't lose this encounter with God right now.